0: It's March 10th, 2023, and today on Locked on Twins, we're going to change it up a little bit. First, we're going to talk about a new metric on Fangraphs called Stuff Plus, and we'll get a feel for how some Twins pitchers graded out in that metric last season. Then we'll talk a little bit about what we need to see over the next three days or three weeks, excuse me, or so from the Twins in spring training to, to get prepared for the season. And then finally, we will debut a new feature for the third segment, or we'll take questions from listeners. Does that sound good? Good. That's coming up now on Locked On Twins, your team every day. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, good evening and welcome back to Locked On Twins, part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Brandon Warren, and today we have a veritable smorgasbord of topics to get to. Now, as a reminder, I would love for you to be active in the comment section on YouTube or wherever you can leave comments. I'd like to get the conversation going. I want to learn from you guys what you like and, and that sort of thing. And we can kind of have a back and forth. Secondly, if you have questions you want answered on the show, don't hesitate to ask whatever means you need necessary. And finally, this schedule of posting is not going to be a permanent thing. I'm going to be kind of here and there for a little while until our little oh. man goes to daycare. He just turned four months old and we are going to have to, once he gets into daycare, I'll be able to more consistently post earlier in the day. So Hopefully, you can hang with me in that time frame as things stabilize just a little bit. Now, today, this show is presented by FanDuel and FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Make sure you visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So, let's let's dive right in. To get things started, we're going to talk about Stuff Plus, a new metric that went up on Fangraphs, earlier on friday and you can find it under the pitch modeling tab on Fangraphs. i'm going to read the description out loud quickly here just so you can get a feel of what we're talking about so um eno saris and max bay created pitching plus with inspiration from work by ethan moore henry pavlidis and jeremy greenhouse eno and owen mcgratton currently maintain and work to improve the model and they get engineering support from matt denowitz so basically it's Used extensively at The Athletic where Eno writes, but Fangraphs is going to have it housed on their site. Stuff Plus only looks at the physical characteristics of a pitch. So it includes, but is not limited to, release point, velo, vertical horizontal movement, and spin rate. It's generally trying to catch the nastiest pitches in baseball. Meanwhile, Location Plus, which is also a new uh, statistical model on Fangraphs, is more of a count and pitch type adjusted judge of the pitcher's ability to put pitches where they want them to. So it ignores the pitch's physical characteristics, looks at the count, type, and location of each pitch. And then pitching plus, the overall model, isn't just a weighted average of stuff plus and location plus, but it's a third model that uses the physical characteristics, uh, location, and count, of each pitch to try to judge the overall quality of a pitcher's process. Batter handedness is also included, capturing platoon splits on pitch movement and locations. So they're all on a plus scale of 100. If you've seen weighted runs created plus, or if you've seen OPS plus, basically 100 is average and then every point above that is a percentage point above average. So I dug into some twins numbers that I think people will find fascinating. Um, all of these numbers I, I took from pitchers who threw at least 40 innings. So we're talking about um, when I'm looking at twins specifically, but also if I'm comparing, you know, for instance, Joe Duran's fastball to other pitchers in the major leagues, I use a 40 inning cutoff. It, it, it's pretty arbitrary. I just think of 40 innings as like, yeah, a reliever, got some work but you can you can if you go on to fan graphs you can bump it by tens from zero ten all the way up to however many you want um so obviously not surprisingly stuff plus loves Joanne Duran's fastball it was graded at a 131 among pitchers with at least 40 innings pitched. that's the 15th best fastball in baseball but curiously I don't think we're surprised that that fan graphs and stuff plus and all those types of things love Juwan Duran's fastball. What's not to love? But Dennis Santana, the new reliever of the Twins, just picked up off waivers from, if I'm not mistaken, the Braves. Uh, his was a 129, 18th. So only two percentage points behind Duran. Could that be an interesting, sneaky pickup for the Twins? Um, you know, if his location is good, that. Very well, could be a thing. Also, too, and this is going to make people absolutely crazy. St- stuff Plus, excuse me, uh, for some reason loves Emilio Pagan's fastball, 126, so just behind Santana and Duran, and his slider, 132. So you can see why teams have liked Pagan despite all of the home runs he's given up because the stuff is just there. It's just a matter of executing, um, which is easy for me to say, right? So last year, Twins had seven sliders, seven pitchers who threw sliders with a score of 100 or better. Chris Archer leading the way, which was absolutely incredible. But uh, Trevor McGill, Griffin Jax, Emilio Pagan, Josh Winder, Caleb Fieldbar, and Sonny Gray all had sliders of 100 or better. Uh, Dylan Bundy was not good, not surprising there. Um, his highest stuff plus was a 94. his slider was a 65 and yeah so not surprising that he's still unsigned at this point um for curveballs they love joan duran's 142 and griffin jacks 135 and i think jacks further down this list will surprise some people with some of his marks um I did pull up notes saying Chris Archer should come back as a two-pitch reliever with no fastballs. Little tongue-in-cheek, but his slider and his curve graded out well above 100, and then everything else was worse. So, um, again, the issue is if he can't get loose for bullpen roll, a bullpen roll every you know two days off, one day off, two days off, three days off, uh, he's not going to come back as a no-fastball pitcher either. It's just... Um, you can see what worked for Archer when it was working and what didn't when it wasn't. But for now, it kind of looks like he might be uh, might be cooked. We'll see. Um, best stuff on the team should surprise no one. The stuff plus overall for Juwan Duran was 131. And the worst, Dylan Bundy at 82. No surprises there. Obviously, Duran is probably has the best stuff we've seen from a Twins pitcher maybe ever. And I, I could get some heat for that. If that's the case, I would understand. But best and worst location on the team, Dylan Bundy at a 105 for best location. So when I was looking at the location leaderboards, it looked like kind of 110 was the high watermark. It didn't spike as much as stuff did. Um, And Giovanni Moran was a 95 for the worst. So only a 10-point spread between those two. So I think location probably doesn't have as big of... um, outlier or the outliers are just not really there. I guess would be the easiest way to put it um, best and worst pitching plus. So that third metric uh, Griffin Jacks was the best on the twins. 114 Devin smelts are the worst at 93 again. Um, more narrow than the, the stuff bar, so to speak, but 20 plus points between best and worst. So it's got a little more uh, leeway from top to bottom in general, Joanne Duran, has the 14th best overall stuff in baseball. Now, that's just rating. I'm not saying that's a fact. That's not gospel. That's not law, that's not. Don't don't run <laughs> run up and and tell the Fangraphs people or Eno Saris that you hate that. It's just that's what the data says. But and this is the thing we'll uh we'll leave you with here in the first segment. Griffin Jacks, number 4 in pitching plus. So, with a minimum of 40 innings, you're getting a lot of lower end Workload relievers, you're getting starters, you're getting a lot of different guys. Griffin Jacks might be a sneaky breakout candidate this year, which I think a lot of us um, could be really excited about, right? So, yeah, uh, this stuff plus is fun. I would say go in and check it out, not only for guys who are on the Twins roster now, but um, guys who were on the Twins, guys who have made their way over to the Twins in the offseason, or, you know, Jorge Lopez traded over midseason, Tyler Malley traded over midseason. Um, you know, Pablo, Pablo Lopez traded for in the off season. It'll be fun. It's some fun data to play with. I don't know what it will end up meaning, but it gets you a feel for, for instance, guys, fastballs that aren't big fastballs. Well, why do they miss bats or why are they not squared up? You know, like, like uh, Joe Ryan's fastball, for instance. So with that said, let's, uh let's talk about built bars. Built bars are delicious and nutritious. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's almost like a real-life life hack. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code locked on 15 you'll get 15% off your next order. I'm eagerly anticipating my first shipment as we speak. You should try yours. And in the comments, too, let me know what you think. What's your favorite? Which one do you not think I should try when I get these shipped to me? Just uh, just let me know. Again, BuiltBar.com, promo code locked 15 Fifteen. Now let's talk about the questions I need to see answered over the next 20 days in spring training. Now, if you have questions that you want answered to feel free, leave them in the comments. We can come full circle in segment three on Monday, or maybe I'll answer on Twitter. I'll do my best to answer people as, as best I can hang out in the comments. Like I said, and, and we'll do all that. I think, I think the number one question that, the twins need to answer is how healthy are some of these big guys? You got Byron Buxton is kind of like number one with a bullet, Jorge Polanco, Alex Kirloff. As much as we can get excited about this team's depth, that's one third of a very good major league lineup just blown out if, if those guys can't play on opening day, which is quickly approaching. Now, I don't know if there's proof that Buxton isn't going to be ready They keep saying the right things. Polanco seems to be more of a mystery. Kirilov, also a mystery. Um, Polanco, to me, obviously more make and break. I think Kirilov being kind of in that ether is a little more understanding, especially too with them getting Donovan Solano and still having Kyle Farmer so they can mix and match and all that. But how many of these three guys are going to make the team? You know, if if you ask me, not make the team, sorry, um, be on the opening day roster and not on the injured list. I think Buckson is in. I'm about 50 50 on Polanco and I'm about 30 70 on Kirilov. So let's talk too about if those guys don't make the team or aren't ready, um, who gets added? And really, it's it's a limited bunch of players because the 40 man is not that deep, deep excuse me, um, with backup options. They have two catchers on the 40, so it's not going to be a catcher. Basically, everyone else is at or up in the big – near the big leagues, excuse me. So you're really your, – your three primary options are Matt Wallner, Gilberto Celestino, and Edward Julien. So if – another oh, and Nick Gordon's health, health too. I mean, he's dealt with some stuff too. So, um, you know, a lot's going to come down to which of those guys can and can't go – and again, knock on wood, they all can. Uh, the one I'm most excited about is Edouard Julien. I think we all are pretty excited to see what he's capable of. Great discipline, great hit tool, and all that. Um, you know, But if Buxton and Gordon are limited, that probably puts you right back in the camp of Gilberto Celestino, who I know um, you know kind of wore on the the nerves of Twins fans last year with a lot of those mistakes he made. But again, he's a young player. The game moves fast and it slows down for guys. I still think, you know, he's a right-handed stick. He can play some defense. And, um, you know, he can he can give you some of the things Matthew A. Taylor can. Um, if And if Matthew Taylor's playing, then you need Celestino on the bench. So, um, in addition to that health, how much, and we've talked about this now, multiple days running, we'll, we'll Byron Buxton DH a lot. And I think the writing on the wall that nobody wants to talk about is, yeah, probably. Um, so with that said, how, how does everything else shake out from a trickle down aspect? So the next question I want to answer, and, and I think I know who it's lined up to be, but who starts on opening day? I, f- I feel like Sonny Gray is the answer here, but I also think you could make a case. I mean, Joe Ryan has already done it before. Tyler Malley is, you know, a perfectly reasonable choice, too. He's, he's a good pitcher, but, um, you know, it's, it's probably not going to be him. Um, Pablo Lopez, new to the organization, but again, the right kind of caliber of pitcher. And then finally, Kentamaeda, Maeda, who uh, obviously it's not going to be, um, at least from my standpoint. He, he checks the box in terms of longer-term twin, but I also do question, and, and I did I'm not I'm not great at this math stuff as far as figuring out like when they'll need a fifth starter first cuz the way I kind of mapped it out it looked like the twins wouldn't need a fifth until New York against the Yankees on April 13. So that puts you about 2 weeks into the season. You could in theory put Maeda on the injured list that you're building him up and then <clears throat> excuse me bring up <clears throat> another reliever, especially to because I was kind of poking through the contract stuff and Dennis Santana's out of options. So if it comes down to him or Trevor McGill making the team, if you put Maeda on the injured list, then they both make the team possibly again, a lot of uh, a lot of cards to draw from here that we, we still don't really know health of all these guys. That's, That's why basically predicting a 26 man roster before the season is it's a lot of fun, but it's not very accurate. It's kind of like a, an NFL mock draft. So if, if Maeda goes on the injured list, I think you could see another reliever. And that leads in nicely to my next question. Who is that random player that none of us expect to make the team, but just turns up on the 26th man in the first game of the season? And and for me, um, Celestino or Dennis Santana, as far as 40-man guys, just because Santana's out of options, and, you know, he's good. I mean, he's he might be another, uh, you know, flyer Emilio Pagan type where might have good stuff, but get smoked or not throw strikes whatever. But I still think there's a pretty good chance he makes the team. And then Celestino, it's really just, um, you know, comes down to Buxton Gordon. Again, the twins are fairly well protected in the outfield, but you know, does, does Celestino give you anything that Walner doesn't in terms of, does, do you, do you want that center field protection? Um, and the nice thing, too, is St. Paul's so close. So that, that level of protection is, is not quite as important. Now, if it's a non-40-man guy, and, and I don't really know how they're going to make this work. Because they could put Matt Cantorino on the 60-day and open up a spot, but then that starts a service clock. Now, I don't know how much that matters for a pitcher his age with his injury risks and injury history. Maybe you just bite the bullet, put him on the 60, and make room for somebody. Or maybe someone else gets hurt in spring training again, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But the 40 man right now is, is fairly crowded. And so if they were to somehow hypothetically make a 40 man spot, maybe by getting rid of Emilio Pagan, which is our, our final question in the segment coming up, I think Willie Castro would be the guy then, you know, this is a guy played everywhere. Um, maybe not particularly well, but has big league experience, flexibility, and again, could be kind of the, the stand-in for that Nick Gordon role if, if Nick Gordon needs some more time. Or if the Twins just want to go the route of a little more versatility, which they've pretty much done all offseason with Farmer and Solano, get the idea they want some flexibility. But I don't know. If if they go off the rails, I think Castro is the guy that's not on the 40 right now that makes a team. I, I did spend... About a split second thinking about Tyler White just because he plays first base, but uh, I don't see it. I think he's going to get very, very comfortable and familiar with the streets of St. Paul um, and uh, being on that team for the bulk of the season. Finally, finally, I've got a lot of questions about this on social media, comments on the podcast. And again, thank you for all your early support. You guys have been great. I know filling in Nash's shoes was not going to be easy, but you guys have been great. Again, I I can't thank you enough. Um, But all of you are asking me about Emilio Pagan. And uh, um, I don't know how long they can go with him. Because part of me is like, yeah, I I see that he's not good. I see that he's getting smoked. But I also see the stuff. I see the potential. I see the data that we showed earlier in the show. Um, But again, they're not justifying the Taylor Rogers trade anymore. Taylor Rogers isn't on the Padres anymore. He's not even on the Brewers anymore. He's in San Francisco with his brother. So you don't have any reason to quote unquote justify the trade, which I don't know that fan uh, front offices really do in the first place. But again, you do want a longer sample size with a reliever to see what they're capable of um, both good and bad. Uh, but two, you know, if you if you DFA every reliever that struggles in a small sample size, Caleb Thielbar wouldn't have finished the season with the Twins last year, too. So the other elephant in the room is they DFA him. He goes to Tampa Bay and puts up a 2.2 ERA with a strikeout an inning and and no home runs allowed. And all of a sudden, fans are like, "Well, you know, why couldn't the Twins do that?" And I get that, but um, you know, I, I think with Pagan, I hate I hate when people say the term "leash" because I know that it drives baseball men crazy if you asked ron Gardenhire what kind of a quote-unquote leash he had on a player you would get dressed down until you felt about two inches tall in that room because we don't do leashes around here he would say it's just a really demeaning way to put it if you think about it um with pagan i would say a couple months though and it's not going to be high leverage work especially not out of the shoot um but you know if you get to a point where you know, your seven, seventh game in seven days and Juan Duran's down and Jorge Alcala's not working back-to-back days and you want Griffin Jacks for the ninth inning. You know, maybe you put Pagan in a two-run game in the seventh. Um, but honestly, I think he gets a couple months and it's going to be touch and go. There's just there's too much help on the way in different forms and fashions to where I just I don't see how you can, short of making him your mop-up guy, your eighth guy in the bullpen or ninth. If you go 14, I think you can go as high as 14 at various points in the season. But I mean, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta see something pretty quick from him, even if it's just in a, in a limited role. All right, let's uh, let's come back here and I will take your questions because um, you guys had some good ones and I I, want to open up segment three. I want it to be this way until the regular season starts. I think what I'm planning for the regular season is to do the first segment as like the morning after, which is a recap of the night before third segment will be kind of a preview of the next game. And then kind of a free form middle segment. We'll see how it goes. This show is going to evolve with me. It's going to evolve with the listeners. What you guys like listening to, I want to produce. So let's talk about FanDuel though, again, for just a second. Um, Are you playing yet? Because you can get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Are you a college hoops fan? We got conference tournaments going on. You can turn your March sadness into March madness with a bit of cash. You play your parlays. You can do whatever you want. If your bracket's going to be busted, you may as well stay engaged because it's the best time of year for fans of college basketball. It's it's absolute pandemonium. And if college hoops aren't your thing, NHL, NBA, heating up, coming down the stretch, and our twins, and baseball in general, just around the corner. So again, make every moment more at fanduel.com slash locked on. All right, like I said, for segment three, we are going to do questions from you guys. And we will, I don't know, hopefully we can get enough during the afternoons or nights before where we can make this a recurring segment or even a repetitive segment, because again, you guys are the reason the show exists. And again, we thank you so much. So let's see, we've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got up to five questions and then we're going to do a parting question too, for the comments, which uh, I will end every show with. It's just kind of a teaser for us to kind of discuss things that maybe didn't get to in the show or maybe didn't have enough meat on the bone to talk about it for an entire segment. But Jordan Freytag asked, what are the chances of the twins starting rotation being one of the best in the big leagues with Kentamaeda potentially coming back to his 2020 form? Now, initially I read that as being the best and I knew that wasn't going to be the case because the Mets are going to be sick, but one of the best um, their ceiling is that, but that's mostly because I believe in Tyler Malley. That's mostly because I believe that Pablo Lopez, as good as he is, is an asset. And I still think he can get better. But I don't know, man. The elephant in the room is the injury risk. And the fact that they may still end having to dip down for Simeon Woods Richardson, Louis Varland, Bailey Ober. And not that there's anything wrong with those, but the, those innings can quickly get you out of the discussion for one of the best rotations in baseball. I, I think there's a fairly solid chance they can be top five in the AL, which it's hard to know what the run environment's going to look like this year. You know, it was, it was considerably down last year, but for instance, in 2019, it was absolutely bananas. It was like a baby steroid era. So I would say best in the big leagues, probably about 25%. And that's me being, I think optimistic. Um, let's talk about Edward Julian. What are the odds that he cracks the opening day roster with Alex Kirilov not ready? Now that's, again, that's Christian Ryan asking that question. If Kirilov isn't ready, it's probably what 50, 60%. I mean, Matt Wallner would be the alternative option. And I mean, who's going to play first base? Just, do they want to put Julian over there and kind of force feed it to him? Do they move Gallo over there? And then in that case, Larnick is in the outfield, Walner's in the outfield. I'm not really sure. The fact that Julian has not played in the big leagues yet is, and and, and again, that's contrary to Walner, Larnick, Kirilov, whatever. In, in that power ranking, you probably have to put him fourth, but. You know, we don't care as much about spring training stats as we care about what spring training indicates from a, a bad on ball standpoint, and he's done well. So I'll say like 30% just because even if Alex Kirilov drops off, there's a chance that maybe Walner is the guy there um, and they'll just go heavy with Solano at first base. I I don't know for sure. I mean if Solano's playing first base and batting eighth or ninth every day, that's that's decent enough for me. But I am eager, just like everybody else, to see what Julian is is capable of. And and hopefully, most likely it'll be at triple St. Paul, where people can get over there and see him if they want. Kim Smith asks, with Austin Martin's status unclear, do you think Brooks Lee starts at double A AA or triple A this season? Uh, to start the season, I'm saying double A. They're gonna be aggressive and they have been aggressive with him, and he's done nothing to show that that has uh that they're that their view on him has been incorrect. But with that said, I think you give him 30 to 50 games at double a really get his bearings because when he comes to St. Paul, he's a step away, less than a step away. He's an Uber away. And, um, I, I just think you got to give him just a little bit more of a deep breath at double a, and then it's it's triple a and big leagues and maybe quickly so tim i'm thinking i'm thinking double a but probably he should not get too comfortable in wichita college let's just say that daniel upton says i know that joan duran is a dominant reliever but do i think it's possible he ever gets moved back to starting and he talks about johan santana being great in a relief role and moved back to starting now Key difference with Santana, he was a Rule 5 pick, and so he had to stay on the roster. Um, And the first few years were not pretty. Uh, 2003, they should have had him as a starter the whole time, but they signed Kenny Rogers and kind of pushed him back. To me, this isn't – I hesitate to say this name, but a Raulis Chapman situation where um, it's not so much that a guy is as good as he is as a reliever that you worry what he'd do as a starter. It's just the blowout factor. I mean, and and the factor of if you have – Araldis Chapman throwing 103 or reportedly 105, whatever, in the bullpen. Um, does he know how what he can sustain at? You know, the Hunter Green thing is: can he sustain 99? And is that healthy from the sustain 98, 99 deep into games? Like we don't know what that looks like. Um, so we've seen relievers like John Papelbon, where they were such a good closer when they were a good starting prospect, but they just never moved back there. No, that Papelbon wasn't because. He couldn't do it. I just think that the Red Sox put him in a role and he took to it. So that was that. Uh with Duran, I think it's just you gotta preserve him any way you can. Less usage. Um, if he's gonna be high octane, you know, you handle him with kid gloves a little bit. Um, I don't think I don't see him going back to starting. If if anybody does, please feel free to say so in the comments because I, I'd love to hear from you. And then the final one here is from Nick Paparesta truther. I love I love that. Do you think a Miranda, Correa, Polanco, Polanco infield will be serviceable defensively? Uh, not if it's just those three, uh, but all kidding aside, so you got Miranda at third, Correa at short, Polanco at second, and then, I mean, revolving door at first base is fine. They, As long as you get a guy who can pick a throw out of the dirt and field ground balls hit right at him, you can be okay. I... I would not be super high on that defensive infield. I, I like Correa and I'm curious to see what his metrics look like with the shift limited, but two, you know, he's getting to be of a certain age where drop-offs and foot speed, defense, whatever, wouldn't be that surprising. The arm is still elite. And again, the, the thing nobody wants to talk about is the ankle. So, you know, we'll see. Um, so it depends on your definition of serviceable. I think there's a reason why the Twins are not a very ground ball heavy pitching staff. One Michael Taylor, Joey Gallo and Byron Buxton chasing Max Kepler 2 chasing down fly balls, but also to um you know play to your strength in that sense and that they won't pick up as many grounders as you'd like. But I don't see defense being a, a major issue for this team. The outfield will be so good and I think the infield will be okay. So depending on your definition of serviceable, they'll, they'll probably be fine. So this is my parting question for you in the comments. I want to know how much or how closely are you watching the world baseball classic? The twins have players on a number of different teams. You've got support staff and you've got Burt Blylevin managing a team or on the coaching staff for the Netherlands. You got former twins. Andrelton Simmons is on the team and there's twins influence everywhere. So regardless though, if you're watching it because of the twins or because you love baseball and you're starved for meaningful baseball, I want to know how much or how closely are you watching it? Because I, I haven't gotten into it yet, but I think this might be my chance to really dig in. Now, with all that said, that's a wrap on locked on twins for March 10th. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you follow at locked on twins on Twitter at locked on Min And and at Brandon underscore Warren as well as can you please give us a five-star review on po- on podcast apps, whatever you use, iTunes, Google play, Spotify is my personal favorite. Um, or even on YouTube, give us that thumbs up. we like that too. And hit that subscribe button, hang out in the comments section, send me questions for either the final segment the next day, or just to chat back and forth. But With that said, this is Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much and don't forget to stop by on Monday to Locked On Twins, your team every day.